Hello, and welcome back to the Boston Commune. This is the back half of episode 114, in which comrades Scott, Joe, and I discuss some local happenings with broad implications. Massachusetts judge sides with the white reactionary faction of the Boston City Council. Former Boston DA turned U.S. Attorney Rachel Rollins resigns in light of ethics violations. A prominent Boston police officer drunkenly fails upward. Someone picks a fight with the wrong Green Line trolley. Adults and children alike struggle with food insecurity throughout the state of Massachusetts. And lastly, an account from the front lines of a Starbucks union showdown. The slams are from Joy Z, if you can believe it. Please rate and review the show on whatever podcatcher you use and prepare to enjoy the epoch. Alright, I have some local tales from the commune. From the commune. First on the agenda, we got redistricting. So I don't know. What a clusterfuck. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we haven't covered local politics in a long enough time that our current listeners might not be aware that there was like Boston politics. It's a clusterfuck. Big stink about redistricting. What else is new? For the upcoming election cycle. And the white city councilors in Boston were totally trying to like steal seats from the black city councilors. And yeah. Wasn't one of them trying to, like, invoke the trebles during the redistricting process? Yes. But that was, like, I feel like it must have been Frank Baker. Nobody else is fucking <laughs> stupid enough to do that. Because um, um, that was pretty wild. Yeah. It's probably the worst faith thing that I've ever heard. <laughs> These Protestants are trying to ruin our our, our Catholic way of life. <laughs> it's like, Yeah, that dude, was Frank this Baker. This is, like, yeah. Boston in the year 2023. Yeah, it was over. Frank Baker? Yeah, that was Frank Baker. Nailed it. I remember that speech. Jesus Christ. We have a city councilor from Northern Ireland, so that was... I don't think anybody is that stupid. Maybe he was the only one to be stupid enough to think <laughs> yeah. that that would fly. Um, it's just really weird, because like the city council he was specifically talking about is occupied by someone who is actually Catholic. Who is that? Uh, like District 9, I forget her name off the top of my head. Her name is Liz Breeden. She's actually my representative, but I didn't vote for her, so. District 9? Oh, aliens and shit. That's what that movie... I've been trying to remember what that movie was called for a long time. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, boy. I was just talking about, like, the 9th District, but, uh... Okay. Yeah, it's also help. the name of a fucking movie. There's like a sci-fi horror film called Jesus District Christ 9. Jesus Christ, Joe. Anyway. Such a fucking loser. Sorry. Anyway, so the city council drew up a map that more equitably divided up. There have been changes in population in Boston recently where, like, probably thanks to a bunch of development projects and uh, what's the word? Uh, gentrification gentrification that's the word thanks to a lot of development projects that have hastened gentrification in the city of boston certain districts have been growing more quickly than others and also growing more bourgeois yes racial compositions of the districts have tracked pretty much one-to-one with the class composition and so yes the uh, more populous districts with 
fewer rich white people in them are currently represented by more progressive city councillors and the minority of reactionary white city councillors decided to take the new map to court and somehow a Massachusetts judge ruled that this map indeed is invalid because race played too much of a factor in drawing up the new districts. Wow. The whole reason that race is not supposed to play a large factor in districting is to protect the rights of minorities. Yeah. White people are not the minorities. It's just like such a weird situation. I don't even know how to explain it really. But basically, somehow, Ed Flynn, Frank Baker, and who's the who's the other like really reactionary? Aaron Murphy. They're like the trio of white supremacy in the Boston City Council. Yeah. I'm sure they all had played at least a minor part, but I know for a fact um, Ed Flynn and Frank Baker played considerable parts in lobbying for the new districts to be overturned, and they were. Please forgive me, I forgot to include at-large city councilor Michael Flaherty among the white knights of the council. Yeah, it's such a weird, like, rule. Yeah, very, very backwards. Perfectly in line with the uh, the attack on Liz Breeden as a, a ra- I don't know, racist against fucking Irish people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I really being racist towards Catholics. I really can't like justify. But anyway, that held up in court. So new districts have been drawn up. The white city councilors slash conservative city councilors got pretty much exactly what they wanted, if not more. Uh Yeah, this is just like really bad across the board. I'm very disappointed in Massachusetts judiciary. Mm. Yes. Apparently, a report came out today that, like, our legislature is also, like, literally the least productive legislative body in the country over the past four decades. So that kind of tracks. What do you mean, least productive? They've only passed 10 laws in the past year. Damn. So, okay. That's, yeah, weird. Okay. So you mean, like, literally, like, we don't get anything, like, actual politics done. That's, yes. yeah, because that's something I've been thinking for a while and and, like, we're getting to a point where, like, because of the forces of capitalism and just, like, general, like, disagreement and, like, how, like, all, like, cultural war has become everything that, like, we're getting to an actual point where, like, we can't do politics anymore. We're, like, it's just over. We're, like, everything is just gridlocked now. From this fucking map to, like, the fucking debt ceiling to, like, everything. We'll figure out a way how to fix the problem, but it's, like, then we have to cut all, like, social spending. So it's, like, we're fucked either way. Like, politics is over. We're in a post-politics world. Ugh. Yeah. I love it. I love it. We have no left-wing parties, so yeah. Yeah, that's basically what that means, yeah. But anyway, so the uh, there is probably already an alternative map drawn up because in a very short period of time, city councilors drew up a new map. Michelle Wu signed off on it. This is the new, quote, compromise map, unquote. So nothing really changes except the... The vibes. Well... Not even the vibes. <laughs> no, the vibes don't change. Um, I don't know. Like, everything is a little bit whiter. Hmm. I think really the goal was to force, I believe, Kendra Lara out of her. They drew the map around her so that she was no longer in her own fucking district. That's wild. 
Yeah, they can do that though. It's fucked up. I believe this was on the map that Flaherty introduced. It's kind of hard to suss out the details or get into the what ifs, but Kevin George, friend of the pod, put out a thorough level-headed analysis of the conservative game theory on his own podcast, Bostopia News, to which I will link in the description. Of course, Kendra Lara responded with her own map, but ultimately the new compromise map reduces the relative voting power of black and brown Bostonians without making Ed Flynn or Frank Baker uncomfortable about their own constituents in districts 2 and 3, respectively. That's like Southie, Seaport, the white parts of Dorchester. The new districts will go into effect in November. Part of this bigger pro project in Boston politics to reduce the power of black and progressive legislators mm. was to get Ricardo Arroyo off the redistricting committee. Mm. And we have since discovered that Rachel Rollins, who I've heard a lot of criticisms, I think arguably she did some pretty solid things for um, undocumented immigrants in the city of Boston. She's city DA? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, not, not anymore, but she had been elevated to the position of... U.S. attorney. Yes. Hmm. Since then, she was found to have... Uh, intervened pretty significantly in um, God damn it. Ricardo Arroyo's public image after he was accused of sexually assaulting a young woman. I mean, he's also young at the time. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> For context. <laughs> he was, it basically, a, it was a prior allegation of sexual assault was dug up and weaponized against him, you know, in a political campaign against him. Something he had already basically, like, atoned for and, like, that the family was, like, also, like, critical of the press bringing it up. Well, when yeah, they did. But, but his response to it kind of sucked ass also. Yeah. It's just, like, it, it's, it it's another one of these. all around, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, like, another one of these, like, there are no good guys kind of a thing, which is unfortunate because now Rachel Rollins has resigned, so. Fucking Massachusetts politics is fucked up. Everybody's corrupt, man. It's so disgusting. Jesus. The fucking beacon of democracy, birthplace of democracy, right here. Joseph. Totally makes sense that we're like the least productive legislature in the country. Right here, Joseph, was where they fucking wrote those bills. Well, I mean, Massachusetts, shit. it's home of the Kennedys. Like, <laughs> you really don't have to say much more than yeah, that. Yeah, liberal capital. Yeah, no, yeah, I get it. Yeah. The unions here were basically just the Irish mafia. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, that's not necessarily wrong. <laughs> For like I 50 wish. years. <laughs> I fucking wish, dude. Jesus Christ, we'd actually get things done. <laughs> well, Whitey went senile and ratted on everybody, so. Weren't, weren't. Well, also, it's because they, they purged the mob from uh, the auto workers. I think there's still a bunch of, like, cops and. Oh. Probably a bunch of firefighters and shit that are still. Oh, baby, I want to fucking. Anyways, yeah. speaking of cops. I want money. I'm going to read this article. <laughs> Boston Police Lieutenant John Early arrested Sunday, charged with OUI. <laughs> Wasn't he the one who got into that car accident and like, tried to blame the person he crashed into? Yes, I'll get to that. He tried to blame the person he crashed into? So, I love this story. This is hilarious. Um, police Lieutenant John Early, who I guess he was like a 25-year veteran of the Boston Police Department. Or like John Late. John Late. John Lately. <laughs> Got me. 
I don't know why that got me so much. Somebody reported that there was an erratic operator of the motor vehicle. Quote, around 1.14 a.m., a motorist called 911 to report a black Ram pickup truck that had nearly gone off the road several times on Main Street, a public way into Walpole, according to a police report. By the time Walpole police arrived on the scene, the truck was parked partially in the driveway of 2 Gene Road. <laughs> partially in the driveway. With two front wheels on the driveway and two wheels on the sidewalk. It's <laughs> <laughs> not bad. <laughs> Early seemed confused when the officer approached him to notify him about the 911 call they had received regarding his driving. When the officer asked Early if he had been drinking that night, Early responded using profanity, Oh, God, yeah. Fuck yeah, dude. The officer asked for Early's license. However, Early handed the officer a crumpled up $50 scratch ticket that he had in his pocket <laughs> instead. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dude. <laughs> the officer asked Early if they were at his residence, the police report said. Early said it was his girlfriend's who was home, but couldn't remember her name. God, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Just thinking of him going, oh, God, yeah. Have you been the officer asked Early where he was coming from. Early yelled, I didn't drive. I was drinking in my backyard. Oh, oh we love this guy. I love him. It sounds like if Diane Feinstein got drunk and started driving around. Oh. Early was placed in handcuffs and taken to the back of a police cruiser as he was being driven to the police station for booking. Early said, <laughs> quote, <laughs> this is fucked. I was just coming from church. <laughs> At one in the morning. Oh, At 1.14 a.m. <laughs> it's a very big service. I very can't believe service. this motherfucker. <laughs> just coming from church. It went from, I was just drinking in my backyard to, I was just coming from church. Well, he had to tell the law that he was a man of God. Just so, you know. This sounds bad, I know, and it is. And in fact... Gets worse? What? By worse, you mean better. This is a Boston Globe article published on Thursday. Quote, John Early, a 25-year veteran who made more than $211,000 last year, was arrested in his driveway in Walpole early Sunday and charged with driving under the influence of alcohol and negligent operation of a motor vehicle after a 911 caller reported an erratic driver. Early... 52 is on administrative leave and the department's Bureau of Professional Standards is investigating the incident. A 2018 arbitrator's decision shows Early was previously fired over a 2015 incident where he crashed (laughs) (laughs) over a 2015 incident where he crashed his vehicle into a backhoe (laughs) around Around 2.30 a.m. following a snowstorm. (laughs) Whoa! The crash came after Early had patronized three bars earlier in the night. Oh, this is a different guy who crashed into something else. This is even funnier. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of cops that just get hammered and fucking smash into people. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. And I think this article actually mentions that. He crashed into a backhoe after going to three bars. Um... Wow, that quote. That 2015 incident was not the first for Early involving alcohol. 
according to the arbitrator's decision in 2018, early while off-duty was involved in another incident involving intoxicated conduct. The decision does not offer details of that situation, noting only that it was resolved when early accepted a 30-day suspension. That discipline did not stop his rise through the department. Remember, this is the Boston Police Department. He was promoted to sergeant in 2008 and lieutenant in 2011. That same year, he was charged with drunken driving, according to a police report filed in Rentham District Court. So he just keeps doing it. This guy just fails upward. Yeah. So like most cops done. Yeah. He's like, (laughs) he's just drunkenly, yeah, ascending law enforcement. Man, what a guy. (laughs) I just have to reiterate, they found him like passed out hanging out of his car. (laughs) Oh my God. And he like like he he did this again recently. You're saying? Yeah, I'm saying like this past time when they found him, he was like halfway hanging out of his car. And when asked for his license, he gives him a crumpled up lottery ticket. Yes. Or a maybe, scratch ticket. Maybe it's a winner. Quote: Early had to brace himself to stand, <laughs> slurred <Sorry>. his words, <laughs> and was unable to form complete sentences. Good lord! Oh man. Best of the best, man. And I'm not trying to shit on this guy for being, like, an alcoholic. I'm trying to shit on this guy because he's He's arresting other people for doing this. Yeah, that's crazy that, like... They're not sending their best, folks. They're not. No, it really makes you wonder, like, how much police work has he done drunk? It's, like, probably a lot. Yeah, like... Probably quite a bit, at least. Realistically, cops are usually the ones committing the crimes. Yeah. I'm just getting sloshed all day. Statistically speaking, law enforcement officers are, like... Really bad at their jobs. They're some of the most prone to addiction of any career. I believe it. Because they can fucking get away with it. Well, when you have all of this unchecked power, it's nothing to like hold you accountable. Are there really ever any consequences for you? Probably not. We also have free drugs in the evidence room, huh? Woo! Yeah, exactly. Woo! Who's going to complain, right, if you charge a guy... He's got two ounces of Coke. And by the time he gets to trial, it's gone down to one ounce of Coke. You know what I mean? <laughs> it disappeared. It's a win-win. Under unknown circumstances. So. We got soda, OJ, purple stuff, and two kinds of Sunny D. Two kinds. <laughs> but imagine those two kinds oh. of Sunny D are drugs. And imagine the refrigerator that they opened was a drug locker. So to cap off that story, <laughs> fuck the police. Fuck them. They aren't they better. They aren't better than scum. us. They don't deserve oh, to make as much money as they do. And no, they really don't because they're, they're usually sleeping most of the time. The reason he got off so many times was because his union went to bat for him. Which again, there's so many reasons to hate cops, but one of them is because I need a reason. They have turned union into a dirty word. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Yes. It's fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. And I have one more brief story. He needs a reason. Oh, this was uh, directly from Universal Hub. You ever. Sorry. Headline reads, man tries kicking moving trolley at North Station, loses balance, falls under trolley, dies. 
In a statement, police say an adult male appeared to have missed a boarding trolley he apparently sought to enter. As the Green Line trolley was departing the station outbound toward Medford Tufts, the male proceeded in the direction of the moving trolley and kicked the side thereof. At this point, the male lost his balance and fell under the trolley as it was in motion departing the station. The male has been pronounced deceased as a result of injuries sustained. And yes, you're going to accuse me of victim blaming. It kind of sounds like it was his fault. I mean, I have been fucked many a time running up to the green line with my arms extended in a gesture of what the fuck? Why did you close the doors in my face? I've been very tempted to bang on the window, to kick the train. But I haven't done it because it's not the train's fault. It's not the operator's fault. Because think about it, if he waits for you to get on the train, you're making everybody else late. So I get it. I understand needing to be on time. If everybody (laughs) was on time, we wouldn't have the issues that we do with the train not being on time. So I think in conclusion, we can say, don't kick the trains because the trains will kick you back. Yeah, it is. It is a an example of a green line standing your ground, st- standing its ground. Locomotive justice, yeah. Stand your ground laws. We for are locomotives. Pro train podcast, and it it does sadden me to uh, hear of human on train violence. It was self defense. Luckily, I think the train is going to be okay. <laughs> God, I'm going to regret this segment. Why? <laughs> I've had great fun on this segment. This is fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. (sighs) Oh, it's just me then. Okay. What? (laughs) I've had plenty of fun too. I was making a joke. Thank you, Joe. Jesse, how you doing? I'm good. How you holding up? I love it. How you doing, man? I'm doing fine. I also forgot to mention the thing about the food insecurity in mass. And that also kind of ties into the debt limit. Yeah, talk about it, loser. (laughs) (laughs) So the Greater Boston Food Bank came out with a report today, and about a third of the state's population is uh, struggling with food insecurity. I believe that, and that sucks. You hate to hear it. Uh, 20% of the state's population has very low food security, meaning their eating patterns are disrupted for a prolonged period. And more than a third of households said that a child in their family has skipped a meal or several in the past 12 months due to lack of food. Yeah, dude. It's disgusting, man. Yeah. Like, this genuinely. Is disgusting. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. <laughs> but actually, especially in Massachusetts, where the quality of, of the living standard is ostensibly so much higher. Yeah. This doesn't make, like, logic. Where's the logic? <laughs> Also cuts very much across uh, racial lines as uh, overall food insecurity in 2022 is at 33% among uh, Hispanic families. That figure was 61% uh, suffering through food insecurity, 50% among black families, 29% among Asians, 28% among white families. Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. This state is fucked, man. Uh, Among children... Child food insecurity is at 36%. Jesus Christ. Wait, say that, what percent? 36. 36% Whoa. of children, children in this state are food insecure. Yeah, that's fucked. That's, Hispanic families that have a child in the household, 53% are food insecure. In an LGBTQ household with at least one child in the household, 
57% are food insecure. Yeah, honestly, that all track after having done work for Austin Brighton Mutual Aid, hmm. almost all of the people that reached out to us were Hispanic families with children. And uh, 45% of LGBTQ plus adults without children, uh, that's 45% of them are food insecure in Massachusetts. Yes. And when I say almost all, the remainder of the people that reached out to us were unhoused, queer, and trans people. Hmm. Central and Western Mass is suffering greater food insecurity than Eastern Mass. Central Mass is suffering 41% food insecurity. 39% of Western Mass residents suffer from food insecurity. 41% of insecure respondents said they sold personal property to afford produce. And 30% watered down food or infant formula for children among severe shortage that began last year. Jesus Christ. <laughs> and on top of this, you know how in April I, was, I wouldn't shut the fuck up about how food stamps were being cut across the country? Uh... Boosted food stamp benefits from the COVID relief programs led to a statewide average increase in Massachusetts of $151.46 each month per household who were on SNAP. But that extra $151 a month, that went away in April when Biden administration declared the public health emergency over. And so now about 60% of people who are on SNAP in Massachusetts, reported that they would need $100 or more each week to meet their household's food needs. But hmm. it does not provide enough anymore now that the expanded SNAP benefits have been taken away. So in among people who are already on SNAP, like adults who are already on SNAP, last year, 56% of them still reported that they were food insecure despite already being on food stamps. Fucked. Joe, you said Central and Western Mass. Like Worcester is seeing pretty severe poverty right now. I mean, they have been. I mean, more than they have been in the past because that, that part of the state has always been kind of impoverished, but like it's just getting worse. Yeah. Uh, 60% of households are already on SNAP who have a child in the household are suffering from consistent food insecurity. Among LGBTQ people who are on SNAP, that's like 62%. Among Hispanic households, it's like 56%, 53% among black uh, households who are already enrolled in SNAP, 50% among white people. It's just pretty much SNAP is underfunded, the rent is too goddamn high, and people are being left to starve, basically. Rent is too damn high. I had, yeah, I had the same. But I kept it in. I kept it in. I did. He's the better man. I suppress the urge. Can't find a better man. It's time to make the landlords afraid again. That is yeah. the solution to the problem. It's time to bring out Mal, the ghost of Mal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we love it. Woo! <sighs> Give me a second. <coughs> and then we'll talk about my thing. We're going, we're going, we're going, you know. I'm not judging. I'm just, you know, enjoying the fact that we are all having a good time. Relatively speaking, I mean... Talking about, like, children starving is... Well, I meant, like, you know, just, uh, you know, we're vibing here. Despite, you know, all the suffering and misery that we're talking about. We're having as much fun as one can have when discussing the starvation of children of color. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, Jesse did a better job of articulating that. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm kidding. Good lord. He's serious. Me? Yeah, don't listen to him. Fuck 
He loves poverty. Right. I hate it. I think it's bad. I think everybody, you know. <laughs> poverty is exhausting. Poverty. It sucks. It sucks dick. Yeah, I hate it. Fuck, fuck poverty. I'm still waiting for the medical leave money that the state owes me, because for some reason they decided to send it in the form of a check. By the way, donate to Warm Up Boston. Sorry, Joe, I interrupted you. No, it's fine. I'm just complaining about being poor. Donate to Warm Up Boston. Donate to Joe's. Donate to Joe. Joe, Joe. Become a patron. Feed Joe. Feed Joe. Donate to his Venmo. I can't find the fuck them kids, Michael Jordan. Oh, wait, he didn't actually, like, say that. In, on a video, I don't think. No. So we're going long, but we, I got even something more. So last week, we had what was an official legal bargaining session with the Starbucks union and their lawyers. It was that we took a ULP strike for the day, which is an unfair labor practices strike for the day. Which, like, that's what we had to do to, like, cover ourselves uh, so that we wouldn't be fired. Or that the day wouldn't count against us, and uh, that we could be reimbursed for the pay and stuff. But yeah, we all went. In, we got to got up at five thirty in the morning, folks. Quite early. Early in the morning. Early in the in, uh, damn early in the morning. Got up. Five freaking kids. Actually, I think it was, might have been one of the older. Woke up in the morning. Oh, we're gonna do Sublime. <laughs> all right. Um, Strike at the Starbucks store. Basically, yeah. No, but yeah, we we got you know. I don't we got, want to work no more. That's not that's not really the issue. But anyways, yeah, we got in a van, we drove up to Lemonster. Yeah, Lemonster. And while we were <laughs> wow, driving up there, nowhere. Yeah, it's the middle of fucking nowhere. It really is. It really is. We were like we we were doing our our bargaining session at a uh, Holiday Inn. Or, no, it wasn't a Holiday Inn. What the fuck was it? What it was like a. It was a two trees. It was like a Hilton. It was like some Hilton like imprint or whatever. And all the fucking conference rooms <laughs> were named after what? What? It's called the double tree. <laughs> it was said two trees. Yeah, the double tree. The two trees. No, I, I know what he's talking about, but it's yeah. just, like, I, I get what he's saying. So the two trees. That's so funny. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, yeah, we went. To, it was it a double tree. Funny. It's a, a double tree I'm sorry, I'm in sorry. Levenster, Massachusetts, which was 15 minutes away from the store that was in Gardner, Massachusetts. Which I wow, didn't. That's actually, even further in the middle of nowhere. I know, right? But no, here's the thing: it's like the fucking hotel that we were at. First of all, all the all the all the conference rooms were named after different composers. We were in the Hammonds, 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 uh, Hammonstein. <laughs> The, the Rogers was right next to us, and we were in, in the Hammerstein uh, uh, room. Uh, but there was like Bach and and all these different composers that I that are not coming to mind at the moment. Mozart, perhaps. I did. I think I saw Mozart. It was a little bit more like like I was surprised that we, there was a Rogers and Hammerstein because like a lot of the other composers were more like. But there was like Irvin Berlin and stuff. So like I don't know. But anyways. But no, like Joe, to get to your point that like yeah, the place really was in the middle of nowhere. Like it was like a hotel, and then it was just like a strip of highway and like a couple of shops here and there. And that was like it. It was fucking like it was really was like the middle of fucking nowhere. It was so strange. Which like kind of like yeah, I feel bad for like people who like the thing is like that is what most of America is like. That's the weird truth of it. 
But it's like, it feels so strange when you're there. As a person who lives in a city, like, yeah. it feels so strange to be in an area that's so, like, open and so, like, everything is so spaced out and you couldn't survive without a car. Like, that's the main thing. That's the main contention that I have with most of America is that you can't survive in most of America without a car. And that's, like, bullshit. It genuinely freaks me out, like, when I visit, you know, my mom and even, like, they have public transit, but just being in the burbs, dude, I feel like everyone is dead. Mm. Oh, believe me. It's a strange Living experience. where I do makes me feel that way about like 30% of the time. I just try not to think about it. It's this weird cognitive dissonance because it's like I'm supposed to feel at peace, you know, because I don't yeah. have that like background city noise, but I it doesn't feel peaceful. It feels ominous to me. I feel like I'm trapped. <laughs> yeah, it really does sometimes. That's nice. Up here. Wow. Anyway, yeah. So you were trapped in Lemonster. What? That's at the degree. Two Tree to Hotel. Small, to a small degree, yeah. It's the Double Tree. With a quiz nose. Is it called the fucking? Is it called the Double Tree? Yes, it's called the. Okay. Double yes, but it's still hilarious unto itself. The Two Tree. So you were Anyways. trapped at the Two Tree with the Quiznos and a Christmas tree shops. There's no Quiznos <laughs> there, dude. If there's a Quiznos there, that'd be awesome. There was no Quiznos there. We did go to the small little. Uh, Mexican place and got burritos during the break and like it was one of the fucking best burritos I've had. Anyways, go to that burrito place in Lemonster if you're in Lemonster, which why the fuck would you be? Uh but anyways, um <laughs> we, we in have, which like, case we apologize. Yeah, we have like one or two like actual <laughs> listeners in Lemonster and they're like, you these motherfuckers and they like they cancel, they like stop following us on their various apps. And I'm saying, no, don't do it. I love you, and I'm sorry. If you live in Lemonster, yeah. you hate it. Admit it. <laughs> but yeah, so I've been we to don't Lemonster. lie to yourself. It is, it is very weird. <laughs> we all showed up to the hotel at like eight thirty. Fuck no, like earlier than that. Maybe like eight fifteen. Maybe even eight o'clock. But anyways, like there was the lawyer there. We got whatever breakfast that we could find in the hotel lobby. They had a little like um, kitchenette kind of place where you could make coffee or like cook yourself some food or whatever and you would have to pay for it at the front desk it was so fucking awkward uh but the coffee was free so hey cool uh but it's all that matters our conference room was in the very back of the hall so like we had to go down this fucking long ass hall to get there and it was one of the smaller respectfully one of the smaller conference rooms which is fine because they didn't really expect that many people what i've heard is that typically the turnout to these things nationally has been maybe like anywhere to like six to 11, as we call the employees of Starbucks partners. Whereas like we had like at least like 20 people. So like we had like a good, strong group with us. And what we were doing was we were bargaining in favor of the Gardner store. I, I already mentioned this. We were bargaining for the Gardner store, which was about 15 minutes away from the actual location. And the thing is, the first kerfuffle that happened is um, we so we got there, you know, around eight o'clock. We got whatever food we can find. And then what happened is, like, we had a little, like, powwow in the actual, like, conference room, you know. And basically how it was set up is, like, there was, like, a table that was, like, at the front of the room. And then there was all these other tables that were facing that table. So, like, the lawyers were sat at that table and, like, all the partners sat at the other tables, basically. And we were facing each other. You understand what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. Cool, thank you. But we had a little, like, discussion about, how, like, how we were going to, like organize things and how we were going to like talk about things. And there was a front, literally like a front line of tables where like all the, all the people who are going to speak, all the, like the 
the union representatives who like actually had like stories and like had like they were going over the actual like what was actually like the language in the actual proposals and stuff uh which like our proposal the packet is like i don't even know let me open up the pdf ah we have 25 articles and it is 20 pages in total so it's 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 a lot of stuff you know and it gets really really into like the nitty-gritty and we went over that a little bit you know just had like a vibe you know vibe sesh. I remember the vibe sesh charge the vibe sesh yeah what what joe i remember when uh i voted on the uh the 2018 teamsters contract at ups and that was like a 60 page <sighs> proposal Ooh. and yeah. It was mostly like bad. It was very obvious that we were being fucked over. Um, In the national union, under like the old guard, like very like pro business at the time. Yeah, uh, terrible. It was literally like trying to force like tiered employment onto us for the company. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Which is why it was a huge deal when like O'Brien won president of the Teamsters Union last year because like he's much more militant than <laughs> the previous regime. 60 page damn no like yeah but those, here's the thing. those proposals are always like hard to read was that proposal from the company or from the union itself uh it was what they negotiated oh and okay. they wanted us to vote on it so it was an actual contract then yeah okay okay so that's a little different here's the thing though here's the thing is ups already has a union and like they already have union protections whereas like we're fighting for like the basic things like literal like to be like recognized literally yeah like boiler like the lawyer that we had i actually felt pretty good about him like he seemed like very into it and i appreciated that and like what else could i ask for but he was basically explaining that like nothing in the proposal is too outlandish or too like there might be some things here or there that like maybe there's like finer points that you could say like whatever but like all of this uh, like just any business would look at this and be like, yeah, that's fine. You should have these things because they're just basic things, you <laughs> yeah, know? These are these, these, these track with human rights to me. Yeah, basically. These are just basic worker rights. But because it's like, because we're literally proposing it for the first time ever, Starbucks is like, what the fuck do you want? No. And so... Yeah, they're going to fight you tooth and nail. Basically, and here's the first thing is they, why, like they, supposedly they were the ones who made this meeting. They were the ones who chose the location and they were the ones who chose the time of 9 a.m., but they were the ones who didn't show up until 11. (laughs) So that's the first wrinkle. Wow. In the morning uh, is they don't show up until 11. Dude, that's like, yeah, that's like a stall tactic to like, (laughs) even more than that. It's like, yeah, I'll get into stall tactics. (laughs) That's like weird, passive aggressive. Like you're not worth our time. Yeah, You're not worth our, our uh, punctuality. Like, Mm. You gotta be here. You gotta fucking wait for us. Yeah, it's mm. like the passive aggressive, like psychological. Yeah, mm, precisely. And like, so they don't show up until fucking eleven. And like, there is like this whole like debate over like who made the meeting and what time it was it scheduled at. And they keep saying that like they keep saying that we made the meeting and that like we scheduled it at eleven and we insisted that they made the meeting. You know, and it's like I think like there is some legalese to this where like i think like we aren't the ones who can make the meeting i think they are the ones who like can only make the meeting but like then why do they insist that you make the meeting it's like you have to drag your ass out all the way to levenster at like nine in the morning that was clearly not your idea i mean we don't but like the store the store that was that was 
arguing was that was bargaining was like fucking like local. But like, anyways, we were there for strength's sake. But like, they don't show up till fucking eleven. But and, you get what I mean. It's like it's clearly not the workers' choice to be up that early in the morning. Yeah, sure. I mean, like it's nine in the morning. I mean, like I had to get up early because I'm driving the van up there. But like, it was. I nine think the basic morning. point is that because you guys aren't unionized yet, you don't have the power to like, like you don't call the shots. Yeah, sorry. We both got stuck in the weeds there. Anyways, yeah. But like, <laughs> sorry. It was, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, no, but like, um, so like, how do I describe how it happened? How it went down? Basically, like, it starts with like a roll call where we all have to like fucking say our names and our like our pronouns, which was fucking pointless as shit. Like, I kept thinking, like, are we going to do, like, a land acknowledgement before this? Like, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> and, like, we had to do our pronouns, but we also legally had to say that we were part of the gardener store bargaining committee. Because if we didn't say that, they could get, like, fucking up, the, up our asses like Joe just did about that shit. Like, what, like, they could do what, like, Joe and I just did and get, like, so in the goddamn weeds about everything. And they kind of did throughout most of it. But, like, they were going, they went through everybody and, like... They kept saying like, "Oh, can you slow down?" When they when anybody would ask lay their name, it's like, "Oh, how do you spell that?" Like every little way to like prolong this process of asking people their fucking names, you know, any way they could prolong the process, they found that. Um, and then basically, like after we did that, they they had us. They tried to do this thing where they wanted us to agree to like ground rules, certain like niceties. You know, basically, like, treat them with deference and shit and, like, don't, like, get, like, heated and stuff. And it was like... <sighs> We're taking time out of our busy yeah. corporate schedules you know to funny? meet the with National you. The National Labor Relations Board actually just approved a rule that allows, like, in union negotiations. It does allow, like, the people bargaining for the unions to, like, start swearing it. Hurling obscenities at, like, the company they're bargaining with. Yeah, who gives a fuck? But know? that's like the psychological bullshit, dude. Like that's you know, yeah, union no, yeah, busting. Union busting is illegal, but like, there's a lot of ways that you can passively insinuate things that sound like laws, but they're not. Something that I forgot to mention is that when we were when they did their roll call, when they were saying their names, the woman, the actual Starbucks human resources person who is arguing for Starbucks, it was it was her, a lawyer who did most of the talking, and then the lawyers like intern who was taking all the notes during their roll call when they were saying their names they asked what was her pronouns and she goes i don't use any pronouns <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> thank you half of the fucking room started to snicker because it's, so it's like what the fuck i am a robot an animatronic yeah. robot that does hr stuff for the starbucks incorporated do not refer to me corporation <laughs> just yeah. don't talk about me or to don't me don't use pronouns <laughs> don't don't speak good either you know it's like what like i don't use any pronouns like, okay okay <laughs> it was so fucking it was so fucking funny but yeah then they wanted us to agree to these fucking arbitrary ground rules about you know don't swear, don't be blah, 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 like... And we were like, uh, no, We, we don't want you. our feelings to be hurt. Basically, like, don't hurt our feelings or we'll, like, like, <laughs> you know. And it's like, okay, here's the thing. I can agree with don't art, like, let's do this in good faith. Like, if you're willing to do this in good faith, I'm willing to do this in good faith. Like, I'm willing to agree to that. Anything beyond that, go fuck yourself, you know? Basically, that's that was our say. That was what we said. Not, we didn't say go fuck yourself, but we said like, yeah, we'll, like we will argue in good faith. If you argue in good faith, that's it. That's all we'll agree to. But they 
the tried to push the ground rules thing for at least fucking 10 minutes and they wouldn't move on. Fucking yes. More of these fucking prolonging. Why? Stop posting notes. More of these fucking Sorry. prolonging. It's fine. More of these fucking prolonging like tactics. I was just putting that there because that was the thing I was referencing. What was that? About how the uh, Labor Relations Board is now letting union representatives like explicitly use like profanity directed at oh, shit. Management that, union negotiations. Oh, fuck. In a landmark May Day ruling, call Lion. What is that? Elstormers? The National Elastomers. Lab- Elastomers. That's a cool word. The National Labor Relations Board restores the right of union representatives to use heated language, including profanity during arguments with management. That's cool. That's rad. It's like, okay, why was that a fucking rule to begin with? Isn't that fucking like policing? Isn't that like literally like free speech? You know, here's what Shouldn't I think. Like, sorry. Yeah, sure. Here's what I think is happening. I think what they're trying to do is they're, they're creating arbitrary rules of conversation. It, uh, what's the word? It absolves them of the responsibility to continue participating in the conversation to the uninitiated. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if you believe like, oh, I broke the rules, then you're going to be less likely to continue to try and bargain. And also even if those rules don't actually mean anything or exist. But since you guys, if you guys haven't even been recognized as a union yet, (laughs) yeah, then like you probably haven't all been, you know, trained for like education on what, what is legally required of you, you know? basically preying on the fact that you guys weren't as well educated as oh, yeah. like a veteran, you know, union organizer would be. Oh yeah. And they were definitely trying to like trip us up when it came to like, but like we kind of, we started to get actually into like the proposals and stuff. And basically like a lot of the proposals are just basically like give the, the union a representative on the board of directors, strengthen employee rights, uh, ensure like a level of respect and dignity we really we actually couldn't really get into pay we kind of ended up arguing for like the strength and the rights of the union itself mostly and also like how we want like management to treat the um employment and it came down a lot to like harassment but like also like there's a big problem with like a lot of stores don't allow union paraphernalia to be displayed in any way uh and so like we kind of we had to argue for like simple bullshit like we need to allow for a bulletin board space for like union stuff we need to allow partners to wear like buttons and shit that say they're on the union and stuff because like people get like write-ups and stuff for that shit which is ridiculous because like we don't have any protections like they could just they can just like get rid of us for whatever um there was a lot of points we tried more obviously to get into but because they got there so late like the first session had to end around like 12 30 God damn, bro. Yeah. And then, like, we had to get food, but then our food took too long. And so when we got back, we mostly talked about discrimination. And that's when things got really, like, the first part wasn't great, you know? But the thing is, like, the lawyer said, like, it didn't get as out of hand. It, like, it was much more controlled. It was much more mannered than what had, what he had seen up to that point. That, like, most of the bargainings hadn't gone that well. And, like, it was a very strong union in the front row. Like a very, everyone, everybody who was speaking, they were all in like lockstep. It was very like they were, it was just very good performance. And the lawyer was kind of impressed by that. And 
they hadn't gone that well up to that point. And then the second half happened. And that's when we started to talk about like discrimination and how prevalent and like the first half was more like we're getting into the nitty gritty of like, this is what we want. This is what we like. This is what we're literally able to bargain for today because we weren't allowed to bargain for things like wages and stuff. But we could dress, we could, sorry, uh, argue for like dress code and like the other things. Uh, but then the second half became like more testimonial, more about like the experiences that we've gone through at the store and more of the harassment that we've faced. And that's when things got really uncomfortable is uh, the word. Uncomfortable for you or uncomfortable for like the uh, Starbucks? Uncomfortable for like everybody. And like really like it was a truly like upsetting experience and like trigger warning, trigger warning, trigger warnings and all that shit. There was a lot of there was a lot of discussion of like sexual harassment that had happened and like management that had been predatory. Yeah, predatory but bigoted and harassing and that had only been like shifted around the company and not really like fired or any way or disciplined in any way. And like that's when like that's when like the lawyer became very like he reached his final like not his final form but became he moved closer to it where like he like it basically, this is what I said on the Discord, is that, like, you do, like you haven't, in the room, full of people, like, a person is giving this testimony about, like, the sexual assault that they've gone through, and then the lawyer is just like, well, I don't believe you. And it's like, you don't know how that feels until you're in the room with that, and it's just like, so it sucks. It was, like, truly a dis- disparaging, like, just truly, like, kind of, like, soul-crushing experience, at least for that half of it. And, like, how I put it, is by the end of it, with all of that shit, actually, like, before I'll get into my feelings, like, that's when things got, like, really, like, the, like, tension in the room got very heated, and, like, that's when, like, yelling and, like, you know, profanity kind of get did get thrown around and stuff, and that's when, like, basically the lawyer, like, they all just, like, kind of just walked out. Like, the lawyers just kind of were like, okay, fine, like, shut down, and then they just kind of walked out, and that's kind of how it ended. So, like, bullshit all around. I will, I forgot one funny point, is that, like, when we were arguing dress code, they were arguing about, like, why we can't have, like, personalized things. Is that, like, well, someone might find it offensive. And it's, like, we're, like, okay, like, that's not really our problem. Mm-hmm. But, like, the like the, the Starbucks woman used the uh, example of, like... The Starbucks woman with no pronouns. Uh, no, it was a weird... Yeah, no, it was a weird <laughs> argument. Like, I kind of forget why... What she, basically, she was arguing, like, well, what if someone finds the, the color purple offensive? And it's, like... <laughs> All right, whatever. <laughs> but her hair was uh, like, was dyed uh, violet, and it's like what? <laughs> so it's like someone literally has like fucking purple on the brain. It was just a weird. What if moment. I'm offended by myself? Yeah, it's just like who cares? Like, but it, like it's no seriously, corporate America. It's not our problem if someone's offended by like our personal expression. Like that's Dude, their problem. Every time I go into Dunkin' Donuts, I'm offended by the color scheme. But yeah, what am I gonna do about it, dude? Some browns and oranges. It's awful. Yeah, brown, purple, orange. Shit that does not go together, bro. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. But yeah, that, um, lawyers just kind of walked out. And, uh, like, how I felt about it is, at the end of the day, like, their attitude and the whole experience in general, from them showing up late to, like, how they were just, like... Complete fucking dicks. In the second half of the, the bargaining, that, like, I was annoyed into, like, actually being very, like energized towards like union activity basically if that makes any sense no yeah absolutely yeah that's called being radicalized yeah that's, like a, so that's like, like a common experience i think i was so fucking like pissed off at the end of the day that i'm just like 
oh, like, fuck these guys. Like, you got to do one of those, folks. If you're, if you're. Oh, absolutely. Fucking, if you're trying to unionize your workplace, fucking do it. You got to do that shit. Uh, it was, it's a, it's a, it's a hell of an experience. Our lawyer, the, the the union lawyer, basically said, like, hey, don't expect anything. We're like, yeah, no, we know. We're, we're this, this is going to suck. This is going to be like taking a bath and acid. And it was. And but like, you know, it was an experience I would recommend because it, 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 it truly like you said, will fuel you. Yeah, it's basically like, yeah, no, exactly. Like you said, Jesse and like, Joe, you just said, like, it's a hell of an experience. It's definitely radicalizing. And it's like, fuck, man, I would recommend it. I don't know. I would recommend you get a union. America. I experienced that. Uh, United when, States. What's that? It's beginning in your name. UPS is about to go on strike, and that's going to be dope if they do. It is awesome. You know, don't order anything for a while. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I don't think UPS. Well, never mind. UPS delivers a lot of things. What are you saying? Anyways, uh, use FedEx or. Well, if no. UPS goes on strike, that's going to put strain on the post office and the other logistics companies because UPS is like the second largest behind only the, uh, the post office. Well, what I was going to say is companies like Amazon, they contract like carriers that are even more exploitative than they are. Yeah. No, I know. To like finish out the routes. Like it is almost always USPS, but if there's somebody bridging that gap, it's like ABC delivery company number 12. Which is it's still Amazon, but it they have to have a different name for like shell LLC purposes, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I get But it. there are some things that UPS does that Amazon doesn't have any uh, foothold in, which is like international like shipping stuff from like the U.S. to like Europe and shit. You can't ship. You can't ship your chickens through the. Oh you no! Know, yeah. I heard that. I heard that about you can't get your. Your cheeks. <laughs> the, uh, public uh, <laughs> companies. So basically what would happen if a UPS strike did happen is that a sizable chunk of like commerce in the United States would be cut off from like basically the rest of the world. That's right. It is. Well, let's wrap this up. My name is Scott. Still another two-parter, by the way. Yeah. Fucking... Hell yeah. My name is Scott. Hit me on the flip side, sweaty wife, Twitch and uh, in, uh, Instagram, Joe. Tell it like it is. I am Joe. Uh, I talk a lot about politics, baseball, and history, mainly politics, the latter baseball, two. History. Politics, baseball, history. Politics, uh, baseball, history. He's a mystery. And Jesse. And his name is Jesse. And his name. His name and is. His Jesse. name is Jesse. He is. The, he is named Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> And you can find my music on soundcloud.com slash contingencebosten, C-O-N-T-I-N-G-E-N-C-E, Boston. I've been having a very difficult time being creative lately. I feel bad. I was going to make my mom a Mother's Day slash birthday song. And uh, I've just been like too fu- literally just feeling too shitty to do it. But I don't know. There is no but. It's just, <laughs> this is a sad story that I just told. Um, I do want to plug... Warm up Boston. I will put a link in the description. And I have a slam recommendation this evening. And slam it up. It's not your typical slam. In fact, it's almost it's almost like ironic. No, it's like ironically cringe compared to like my normal recommendations. Ironically cringe. Your slam recommendation 
is. This band is from the middle of nowhere in Buttfuck, New Jersey. I hate this soundboard thing. Hold on. Why is it doing that? What? I have to start. What? (laughs) Your slam recommendation is. Why is it doing that? Although it like has a mind of its own. It's an album entitled Malevolent Fox of a Hastened Extinction. Oh shit. Pretty good actually. The artist is named Cognitive. They're from a town called Jobstown, New Jersey. They've made the best of it. It's like the most unremarkable county in the in the United States. Poor place. <laughs> like I looked it up on Wikipedia, and there weren't any actual like centers of like population centers. They just had some unincorporated communities and shit. <laughs> This breakdown gets me really hard, so I wanted to share it. I don't know, they're kind of unique. Technical, brutal death chord, brutal death metal, kind of a fusion between the two. Yeah. Don't forget to follow us at Epic Incredulity. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, but more importantly, on Patreon. We can find the second half of our last episode where Joe went on his rant about Russia. Love to hear it. It wasn't really a rant. Like, it was a, <laughs> it was a comprehensive retelling of the Russo-Ukrainian conflict from the Soviet era up until present day. There's a lot of uh, white nationalism and bad U.S. foreign policy wrapped up into it. I mean, it was really, like, totally solid until the very end where Scott and I felt very uncomfortable about uh, saying anything nice about Putin. Yeah, sorry, folks. So we didn't. <laughs> so we didn't say anything nice about him. That is perfectly fine. Yeah. The point of the exercise, not to say, like, Putin's good, she's, you know, point out the broader history and also, like, great now Ukraine is kind of cringy as fuck. At least their government is. Yeah, man, it does. It, yeah, then I'll agree with that at least. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. At least I make him laugh. Um, I'm enjoying how uncomfortable you still are. I don't know. I, like, literally would agree with that. Like, come on, man. Come on, man. Come on. Yeah, they're all bad, the folks. Everybody's, everybody's. No, we're not looking for me. any sound drops. Everybody Ooh, sucks, son of man. A bitch. Just remember, got all them ribs. Putin's whole What's family was killed by Nazis, so 
Jesus, Jesus. Yeah. Everybody's killed by fucking Nazis. This is fucking disgusting. It's disgusting. Anyways, every week we say about Tank Toe. That's the epoch. Tank-to. I'm tired. I need to eat something. Love you guys. Love All you right. Do, 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 I am do, gay. Do. I oh, am fuck. disabled. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Cuomo is just... He's a man for all seasons, really. <laughs> I gotta get the big gay ice cream sound drop, too. Oh, man. I'm not, bro. All right, can we end this, please?